<laughs> Jesus. Glory to God. Turn your neighbor and say, I'm free. Well, that, that didn't sound like anything. Turn your neighbor and say, I'm free, man. I'm free. Well, I lost half the crowd. They're going to the bathroom. They're getting free. <laughs> oh, better go. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Can I share with you just a little bit? I won't keep you long. Hallelujah. Thank you. She said, go ahead. Don't say sick them to a dog. No, I'm kidding. You know, I'm not going to go the direction that, uh, <laughs> that's in your book tonight. I want to go to a passage. I may have ministered on this passage before here. I don't know. But I really felt led to do it. Why does God want us free? Why does he want us living in his presence? I believe it's because he loves us. And he wants a relationship with us. But you know, if that was all there was to it, that'd be pretty selfish. But I believe God wants us free. And he wants us, to, he wants us to be full of his glory, to live in his presence because we're to set others free. If you're bound, it's hard to set somebody else free. I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah. If you have your Bibles, let's just look for a few minutes at Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. The message that we ministered on Sunday morning. Building an altar. Building an altar, setting aside a place to meet God, so that whenever the trial comes, the pattern is set in our life. Practicing His presence, that's what we've been doing, and it's amazing when you begin to practice the presence of God, people get free. Because God is going to honor his word. He's going to inhabit the praises of his people. He's going to show up in power. And I want to tell you something. Sometimes it's not pretty. I will promise you this. It's not going to be everything organized and everything, everything perfect. Because sin is messy. And the cleanup is messy. When God starts dealing with people, I mean, it's radical. It's radical. Some of the most dignified people 
are the ones that cause the biggest mess. They're the ones that look the most undignified when God smacks them. How many of you want to be used of the Lord in a powerful way? I do. I just say, Lord, get whatever's in the way out of the way so you can use me. In this passage of Scripture, Moses is on the backside of the desert taking care of his father's sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. For 40 years, he'd been doing the same thing. Been making the same pass, I'm sure. As the seasons would change, he would find the green grass for the sheep. But he finds himself on the mountain. And you know the story. Out of the corner of his eye, he begins to see a bush. It's burning. He'd never seen that before. And it was not being consumed. It just continued to, to burn. And the Bible says that he turned aside. To see what was happening. For us this week. This is our opportunity to turn aside. That during this time of getting away with the Lord, that God can speak to us. We can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God and just follow His leading. That if God wants us to worship for a whole service and just pray for people, that's fine. But the whole point is that whatever God's doing, that I would recognize it and I would acknowledge it. And in this passage of Scripture, that's exactly what began to happen. The place was the mountain of God where God revealed himself to Moses. This camp can be a place where God reveals himself to you. For many of you, this has been a place where God has touched your children. Where your kids have gotten saved. 19 years. or However many years you've been coming to this place. A long time. But this is a place where people come to meet the Lord. On that mountain, that's where Moses, God began to speak to him. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, he turned aside and beheld the bush burning with fire and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called out unto him out of the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Don't come any closer. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. 
There was the place, the mountain of God. There was the manifestation of God's presence. In this particular situation, it was a fire, the burning bush. The angel of the Lord appearing in the midst of the flame. There was the choice that Moses made. He made a choice to turn aside. He could have ignored it. Many times we get so busy we ignore the call of God, the the, the voice of God. God's not going to make you turn aside. It's a choice we make. That's why it's important that we come into his presence expecting something to happen. Whenever you come and you worship God, it doesn't matter how good or how bad. As a musician, sometimes we come and we get on the front row and we listen with a critical ear. Sometimes it's the hardest in the world for musicians to enter in the presence of God because they're listening with a critical ear. Sometimes you just have to turn your ears off. And just lift your voice and your hands unto God and say, i got to hear from you today. You make a willful choice to step past that veil of the flesh and step into the presence of God. And that day Moses turned aside to see that the bush was not consumed and God began to speak. You know, it's amazing to me. The Holy Spirit is wooing us. But it's amazing until we take that step. He really doesn't say a whole lot. But the moment we even start to turn, it's like he's going, I was just waiting. The Holy Spirit comes and manifests power. Joshua 24, 15 says, choose you this day who you're going to serve. And as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. In this passage of scripture, we see the call. God called out unto him out of the midst of the bush and he said, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. You see, there had been the preparation of the heart. Forty years, Moses had thought about the Egyptian that he killed. Living in Pharaoh's house. Everything that the world had to offer. I can go back and say, I'm sorry and probably get back in the king's house. But also on the back side of the desert, I believe God began to speak to him. And he thought about all those Hebrew children that were still in slavery and still in bondage. This can be a place of preparation for you this week. It's a place where we get set free. It's a place where the presence of God comes and he burns out all the dross. That fire of God comes and it begins to take out everything that doesn't belong. Because what God's wanting all of us to do, that place of destiny, those things God has called us to. Takes a preparation of the heart before God will allow us to step into it. Some of us have to be on the backside of the desert a while. What happens on the backside of the desert? You find out who you are. We have a lot of time to talk to ourselves. I doubt those sheep said a whole lot. Amen. I imagine Moses began to talk to them and they just, amen, whatever you're saying, that's fine. People thought he was crazy talking to himself and a bunch of sheep. 
But he had 40 years. God began to prepare his heart. For Joseph, what was it, 13 years? From the time he had the first dream until he actually sat on the places, the head over all of the known world at the time. For King David, from the time he was anointed king until the time he stepped into this kingship. It's not in... You know, a lot of people want the platform, but very few want to go through the process to get there. And anybody who circumvents the process and gets there before their time usually don't last long. We saw the place where God touched him. We saw the manifestation of God's power. We saw the choice that he made. We see the call that comes forth. We see the preparation of the heart. But I love this next part. The Lord says this in verse 7. I have have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, unto a good land, a large land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Why does God want us free? Because they're a group of people that God wants to bring out of bondage. You see, a man who's been set free, he knows where he's come from. He don't want anybody to go through what he's gone through. I've got a brother-in-law who's now a pastor. Who grew up. His dad le- basically was an alcoholic. His dad lost the family business whenever this young man was very young. Their family ended up splitting apart and the dad moved to California. My brother-in-law was raised by two brothers. They were gamblers. In South Texas. And my brother-in-law says, I cannot tell you the number of times I'd walk into their house. And they're in the middle of a card game. And they'd give me $500. And they'd say, come on, play with us. Once it's all gone, you can't have any more. But whatever you win, you can keep. After my sister married him. I remember the time that he came back from Vegas and he was over $100,000 in debt. Love the Lord, but he was in bondage. But here about two years ago, God called him to preach. And God set him free from that addiction. And it's been amazing. And you know what's happening? He's setting others free. He said, my church is full of gamblers that are free. He said, I'm the only preacher in South Texas that has a warrant out for his arrest in Las Vegas. 
You know that thing that Charles Barkley has on his head right now for whatever debt he still has? This, my brother-in-law still got about, about 20000 left over of that hundred and some odd thousand dollars. And he says, it's going to hang over my head till I pay the last of it off. But he said, it's nearly all gone. Kind of a crazy kind of pastor, huh? Got a crazy kind of church. But it's filled with people that are free. Why does God want to set us free? Why does he want us living in his presence? Why? Because there's some folks in Egypt. And God wants to take them to a land filled with milk and honey. To a large land. To a large land. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of the land. Under the good land. A large land. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them or opposed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said unto the Lord, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. Here's why, because I'm going to go with you. You ain't going by yourself. I didn't speak to you out of this bush for nothing. You see, God in the midst of the wilderness brought about a change. Now, here's where most people miss it in revival. A lot of people get touched by revival. They love the free, the dance. The anointing, the laying on of hands. But what God wants to do is he wants to bring about a change. From the inside out. Not just a touch, but a change. How do you know there's been a change? You go back where you came from. But you go back with power to set people free. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He went right back to where he was raised. Dr. Lau, it's not by accident you're going back to Thailand. You're going back to deliver a nation. This is not a place of wilderness. It's a place of blessing. Because this place has blessed you to be able to go back. But you're going back a changed man. You're carrying the fire of the bush. You're carrying that which will set them free. You see, when the change comes, God equips us with what we need to bring the change. That's what happens. Moses was headed back to Pharaoh's house. He had run from Pharaoh's house because he was afraid they were going to kill him. What had happened? He'd had a change of heart. He knew he had the word of the Lord. I'm going with you. And we're going to go back and set a nation free. That's what we're going to do. 
Thank you, Father. The change. Verse 16. Two things. I have visited you. What happens when he visits us? He equips us, he anoints us, and he calls us. Well, I could stay here for a while. He anoints us, equips us, and we carry the call. And then, second of all, he had the word of God. Verse 17, and I have said. Let me tell you something. When God says, it's over, baby. You see, when God says, there is no condemnation. I don't think it's by chance we prayed for people tonight to be free. Because whenever God says, it's over. It's over. When we come together in the might of His power, with the authority of His Word, it's over, man. It's over. Seattle will never be the same. Churches are never the same. Never the same. Never the same. We have his anointing when he have his word. Our part is to cooperate with that word. Father, we thank you for your word. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto thee. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together, and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you, and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, verse 17, I will bring you up out of the affliction of the Egyptians and under the land of the Canaanites. And number 18, and they shall hearken. This is what the voice of the Lord says, and they shall hearken unto thy voice. He got a word from heaven. He said, all right, here we go. And so he went back. And you know the rest of the story. Go to Exodus chapter 19 just for a moment. And we see a parallel to this passage. We see another mountain. But on this occasion, listen to me. Upon this occasion, it's not God speaking to Moses. It's Moses basically speaking. And it's concerning a nation of people that are now free. But guess what? That nation of people had a choice. Let's look at this. There's the mountain again here in chapter 19. Not going to take long here. I'm nearly through. But I think it's important that we see this tonight. Chapter 19. In the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed when they had departed from Rephidim, 
and had come to the wilderness of Sinai, they encamped there before the mountain. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called uh, to him out of the mountain, Say this, he said to the people, or to the house of Jacob, and tell all the Israelites. Now listen, this was fresh in their, in their memory. It just only been a day. They had just come out of Egypt. The Lord had delivered them. They'd had the big Passover meal. They'd put the blood over the doorpost. They had the lamb in them. The firstborn of all of Egypt had died. And God had protected all the children of Israel from the angel of death that passed that way. And when they woke up the next morning, Pharaoh said, get out of town. I've had enough. And while you're at it, just take all our wealth. You're going to need some money on the way. Just get out. The Bible says there wasn't one, in, in Psalms, there wasn't one feeble one among them. Whoever was sick had been healed through the night. Even old Gramps that couldn't hardly walk instantly had strength in his legs so he could go and make the journey. Grandma the same way. And they get to the edge of the Red Sea. Moses lifts his hands in the staff and the waters begin to part. They go across on dry ground. They get on the other side and they begin to praise God and dance. And the waters close in on all the Pharaoh's army and they all drown. They had just seen this mighty act of God. They get to the other side. And they begin to camp around the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. They had seen the manifestation of God's presence. They had seen all of the miracle of the Red Sea. Now listen to this. Very powerful passage. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Say this to the house of Jacob and tell all the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you where? Are you reading this or are you just listening to me? He says, how I brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, verse 5, if you will obey my voice, In truth and keep my commandments, then you shall be my own peculiar possession and treasure from among and above all the people of all the earth that are mine. We see a choice that they have to make. You see, Moses went through it personally. But God was fixing to take the whole nation of Israel through it as a nation. You see, I'm speaking to some young people tonight, those of you that ministered tonight. And you did that wonderful presentation. There's an anointing on every one of your lives. But you see, it's not the call to ministry. I'm giving you a key tonight. God wants us free because He doesn't just want us to get into ministry. What God wants is He wants us. He wants us practicing His presence. He wants us learning how to build an altar of worship to Him. The call is not to ministry. The call is to intimacy. Because you see, the people didn't have a clue as to what they were fixing to face getting into the promised land. You know why I know? 
Because a whole, listen to me, a whole generation die in the wilderness. What happened? They never heard what the Lord said. Even though Moses went back and told them, if you will obey, if you'll trust me and obey my commands, then I'll make you a peculiar people above all the people that are mine. There's something about those that know how to enter into God's presence, that know how to ascend the hill of the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart. It's a choice that we have to make. Because you see, the ministry will come. But God wants to prepare the heart. He said, go back and tell the people. They're going to have to have a change of heart. Because there's going to be a lot of stuff along the way they're going to have to deal with. What happens while he's up there receiving the word of the Lord? They're down there taking all the wealth that they left with in Egypt. And they're putting it in a fire. And they're going to build them a golden calf to worship. My God, they just seen the hand of God move. And you know the rest of the story. They end up even have, they end up grinding up that crazy cow and eating it. Be careful what you worship. We see the place, Mount Sinai. We see the manifestation of God's power through the Red Sea. We see the choice, obey my voice and keep my commands. And then we see this call from heaven. Be a peculiar people. Be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And then we see the preparation of the heart I want to bring you to myself and then we see the change all that the Lord has spoken I will do all that I've spoken God told Moses he said I will do it For those that would prepare their heart. For 40 years they wandered in that wilderness. And it was 11 days journey. They could have gotten to the promised land in 11 days. But because of a hard heart, a whole generation died in the wilderness. The same amount of time that took Moses to prepare his heart because a generation didn't prepare theirs. They died in the wilderness. Only two said, we've been over there. The grapes are huge. The pomegranates, amazing. Flowing with milk and honey. But there are a few giants. One generation says, oh, we can't do it. Thank God for youth. We can take it. Sometimes we're blind. We can take it. But you know what? God had prepared their heart. And what Moses came and he shared with those young men, Joshua and Caleb, they had a change of heart. They saw the miracle hand of God and they said, we can take it. 
Why does God want us free? Because there's a generation waiting. There are nations waiting. There's always the place. There's always a place where God wants to meet you. Maybe it's a camp. This can be our Mount Sinai. Can be. There's always the manifestation of God's power. He's going to show himself strong. He's going to reveal himself to us. He's going to show us that he's God. He's going to do it. There's always the call. But we have to make the choice to turn aside. God's preparing hearts this week. Where you're headed, pastor, as a church, as a ministry. It's going to take a group of people that can hear the voice of God. It's not going to be for the faint of heart. Be careful you're not one of those that dies in the wilderness because you couldn't see what God wanted to do. You know, it's amazing, Pastor, those that we're in relationship with, we're walking hand in hand. I received today a contract of how the man who owns the property wants us to take down the property. It's not for the faint of heart. Just be honest. But I've seen the hand of God move. I've seen him in the midst of the bush. I know what he's called me to. And he's been preparing our hearts for this day. He's been preparing your hearts for this day. And he's equipped you for this day. He's empowered you for this day. And yes, he called you for this day. Despise not the days of small beginnings. Because I prophesy within the next five years, God will multiply the churches in Thailand many times over. I prophesy that this church in the next five years, you won't even recognize it. God's just been laying the foundation. He's been finding the Joshua's and the Caleb's. If some have to die off, that's fine. If they want to stay in the wilderness, that's fine. But the train moves on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to stop. God's getting our attention, amen? amen? You know, we've all been busy. I'm as busy as everyone. But it takes places like this to where you can't really get online very easy. <laughs> you know, the phone doesn't work half the time. And that's a good thing. 
And you just find yourself, just you and God. I found myself this afternoon. It took me a little nap and I got up. I just grabbed, my, grabbed the word and I just started praying in the Holy Ghost. In my room and started speaking the scriptures that God had given us concerning where we are as a church and a ministry. Just begin to speak those scriptures. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. You're the Lord of the harvest. Father, we thank you. We begin to speak all those scriptures that God's been speaking to us about. Don't miss the day of visitation. And when God begins to speak, know his voice. Father, we thank you for this time tonight. We thank you for your anointing in this place. I believe God is speaking to people tonight concerning ministry. If there's a call of God on your life, you feel the tug of heaven for ministry. But I tell you, the call is truly to him, to that place of intimacy in God, because in that place, he'll show you what you're to do. But if you're here tonight and you've never answered an altar call like this, but you feel the Lord calling you into ministry, you really feel like that you want to spend your life serving God in a full-time way. You don't know how it's going to happen, but you really feel like that's what God is leading you to do. But you've never answered a call of an invitation like this. I want you to come. I want to pray for you. You say, Pastor, I've never answered a call like that, but I really feel like God's calling me into full-time ministry tonight. Young person, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. Smith Wigglesworth didn't go into ministry until he was 58 years of age. anyone here tonight and say, Pastor, I really feel the call of God on my life that I've been afraid to answer the call. Anyone, just come and stand. Please come. Please come. Slide in. I want to speak to our kids. They're in kids' church. So I can't speak to them. I was 12 years of age, Pastor Lau. I was 12 years of age when I answered the call to full-time ministry. I was at a camp like this. I was watching all those junior high kids go into that room down there this afternoon, getting ready for their service, and I thought, they have no idea. They're here with their friends. They've been clowning around, playing around. And I was at a camp like that, and I was 12 years of age, and God arrested me at a camp. I was the only one from our church that went. I didn't know anybody. And I was in a dorm with a bunch of high school kids. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a junior. I'm 12 years of age. I'm not even junior high yet. I was taking showers with men. Guys, you understand. I'm looking at me and looking at them and going... Something wrong about this picture. But I was in a service. And in the middle of that service, God began to speak to me. And he said, son, I want you to serve me all the days of your life. 
Back then it was either a preacher or a singer or a missionary. I didn't know what I was going to be. But I walked down that aisle and I said, God, if you want to use me, I'll give you my life. I was 12. By the time I was 16 years of age, our family had started singing. By the time I was 19 years of age, our family was very well known. And we were doing it full time. I never looked back. My wife started traveling with us when she was just before she was 16 years of age. I was 18. Three years before we ever even dated. When I was 21, I was at a hotel in Miami, Florida. We were doing a conference there of about 12,000, 13,000 Baptists. My precious wife, downstairs with my sisters, with my wife-to-be. I'm laying in a bed in a hotel room upstairs. I said, God, where's that woman that's going to serve you with me? God, she's got to be out there somewhere. Lord, wherever she is, Lord, help me find her. Voice of the Lord spoke. He said, She's been with you three years. I'm a little slow. Oh, Becky? God went, Duh. And immediately I went downstairs. And my bride to be comes to the door in a robe, a brown robe. A brown robe, ugly, from the bottom of the floor to here, down to here. She had orange, you know, concentrated orange juice cans in her hair. Because that's what girls did back then. Get the Farrah Fawcett look, you know. She was brushing her teeth. What do you want? A little notice would have been nice. But I wasn't very smart. I looked at her and I said, God just spoke to me. We're supposed to get married. She went, swallowed her toothpaste. She said, don't you think we ought to date first? I said, we can if you want to, but I just heard from God. That's not the way you propose. Then I started telling her all what I'd heard. And because we were traveling like, like we were, only had two weeks that year off. One during the summer and one during the winter. And my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law and my sister had already claimed the summertime week to get married. So we had to wait till the following December to get married. The reason I'm telling you that is because I looked at that room and all those kids going in that room. And all of a sudden, I was taken back. I'm 54 years of age. However long ago that was. Long time. And I thought, those kids have no idea. What God's really wanting to do is call them to a place of intimacy with Him. And if they'll submit to that place, God will call them and use them for His glory. But we're no different.
God's calling us to a place of intimacy.